friend has one, scan it. All you have to do is put in your information. It'll link you directly with your congressperson. It'll send an email to them automatically. You may have seen a couple of these in, in group chats. This is extremely, extremely important. This is how we win. This is how we continue the momentum. This is how we continue to push. It is very important. It only takes 15, 20 seconds. It takes longer to post something on Instagram than it does to fill this out. Most of it is already on autofill. So please, if you see a barcode, just scan it. We'll have other text messages moving forward on the group chats. Um, Rania will send one. We'll probably get it on our Friday forum chats. There are many call to actions. Each of them are very quick, alhamdulillah. The teams have been working really hard to make it as easy as possible for us to reach our Congress people at mass and get this out there. So we also have the report and incident through CARE. That link is also on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. If you see something, say something. If you have something to report, please report it. CARE is meticulously taking every single one of these reports and journaling them. And then the last one is urge your members of Congress to address root cause of violence. That's also another link, another contact, another email that will be going out as well. Now, before we start discussing, yeah, you should put that on and turn it on. Um, just to set the stage, um, Sheikh Osama asked for me to set the stage a little bit about what's going on specifically tonight. Now, we know for the past couple of weeks, things, things have not been great, to say the least. But tonight, um, as it reached the evening in Gaza, all internet, all phone calls, all lines, all electricity, every single thing was cut out from Gaza. We know there was already no humanitarian aid, there was no fuel, no help, nothing. But on top of all that now, there's no communication. Complete, complete blackout, complete, complete silence. And on top of that, people from Egypt and West Bank can feel the shakes of the, of the bombings. It's almost as if there's an earthquake. So things are extremely difficult on the people of Gaza right now. So I just want to set that stage right now and to remind everyone to make du'a, to remind everyone to keep their salawat, to keep their ibadat up, and to keep their sincerity, that we all keep our sincerity in our ibadat, because that is what we have. Now you may have seen a uh, reminder that was sent around on the chat, so it was sent uh, through Sheikh Yasser Fahmi. He shared an ayah, Allah. They wish to take down the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they cannot. Because they can cut out all of these things, but they can't cut out our relationship and our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now with that, we'll get started, inshallah. I'll have Wasim introduce himself, Lani introduce herself. We'll get going. What's going on? There's been a lot going on. We're seeing a lot of things. Where did this all happen? How did this all happen? Where do we begin? Sorry, one second. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you, Brother Ibrahim. I believe the question you asked. Uh, my name is Wasim Kanan. I'm the chairman of the New Jersey chapter of American Muslims for Palestine. Uh, AMP is an organization dedicated to educating, empowering, and um, pushing our community to direct action for the cause of Palestine within the context of America and American policy. Alhamdulillah, I'm honored and I'm grateful, and I don't take for granted the opportunity to be sitting here in front of you all. Um, 
the question, how did we get here? Where did we start? What's going on? Everything happening right now feels like our head is spinning, right? For the past nearly three weeks, tomorrow will be three weeks, inshallah. May Allah bring peace and security to our people in Gaza. May Allah make their suffering uh, the means of uh, the hereafter for them and grant them peace, security in the hereafter, inshallah. Um, these past three weeks have been very difficult. Um, it's, it's often, you know, it's, it's all we, we take in. It's all we're consuming. It's all we think about. People go on with their life normally. And for us, it just doesn't feel right, right? And I just feel like my head's been spinning. And I'm going to be honest with you all. Like, I'm personally not okay, like emotionally and mentally. It's been very difficult. It's, it's not easy and it's not normal to see our brothers and sisters spoken about in a way that is not humanely and treated in a way that is not humanely and it's not okay. I want to start by going over the root cause because a lot of what we're talking about nowadays is not focused on the root cause of the issue at hand. And in my opinion, the root cause is the, ideal, is the ideology that is Zionism. What is Zionism? A self-proclaimed, a self-proclaimed Jewish ideology that Jewish people have an exclusive right to the Holy Land. I think as Muslims we can all agree that all humans live or deserve to live in safety and security, right? But the issue arises when it becomes a matter of exclusivity, meaning when one party deser- is, is like, I deserve these rights exclusively to me. They're my rights and my rights only. Human history is an interesting thing. We've seen colonization all throughout human history and the, 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 the aggressive and mean effects of colonization. With states like the modern-day state of Israel, the Zionist state, the United States of America, Australia, Canada, New Zealand. There's a new wave of colonialism, settler colonialism. So not only do you colonize the land, but you settle the land. And now what's the problem with settler colonial ideologies? Zionism, if you're familiar with Manifest Destiny that we all likely learned in elementary school, is that it's based on, it requires the elimination of the indigenous native people, right? So who here heard the phrase, it's a popular phrase in Zionist circles and Western circles, a land without a people for a people without a land. A land without a people for a people without a land. That was the Zionist mantra in the early 20th century. That was their slogan. That inherently is a genocidal slogan. It promotes genocide. When you say that nobody is there, a land without a people, while people exist, have a culture, have a language, have a way of life, have a history, 
That is a genocidal phrase. So elimination of native people, theft of resources, theft of water resources, theft of energy resources. And then following oppressive policies to keep native people, indigenous people down, to keep them suppressed and in their place where they belong as the inferior, right? Because when we have an ideology that promotes that one group is entitled to more than others, when you are the other, you face the brunt of that. And so it's fundamental for settler colonies to operate this way. This is how they operate. They have to operate this way or they won't be successful. And so that is the root cause, is the inception of Zionism that has led to decades of oppression, murder, and apartheid-like terror policies. I don't like headsets, so it's going to take me a second to get used to it. Um, but Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala sallallahu Muhammad kama salli ala Ibrahim wa ala Ibrahim fil alamin innaka hamidul majid. Allahumma la sahla illa maj'atahu sahla wa anta taj'al al-hasana ila ish'ata sahla rabba shahli sadri wa yasli amri wa ahlu uqtata min lisani yafqahu kawli wa sallallahu wa Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum everyone. Uh, my name is Rania Mustafa. Um, I'm the executive director of the Palestinian American Community Center. Um, and like Brother Wasim said, I think the number one thing that I want to kind of just put out there is I'm not okay. I don't think any of us are really okay. Um, it's been a really, really tough three weeks for our community, um, almost three weeks for our community. Um, and I think a lot of us have these feelings of helplessness. A lot of us feel very far removed and not knowing what to do. Um, I don't know how many texts a day I get of what can I do, what can I do, what can I do. And inshallah, our goal of this conversation is really to get to the point of each of us has a responsibility and each of us has something to do. Um, and even if it is spending five minutes trying to think of what you're supposed to do or what you can do, um, that is, I mean, that has to be like fard, that has to be absolutely obligatory on everybody in this room and everybody beyond this room. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, one of the things I do want to start with um, is PAC has created this toolkit um, of different things that you can do, some resources, some social media that you can follow. So I'm gonna call out a number, if everyone can get out their phone, um, and text free Palestine, with no spaces, to 833-648-0391. Say it again. Yes, please take out, take, your out your phones. Phones. take out your phones. Everybody yeah. take out your phones, please. This is, it's a quick four, four actions that you can take this will be everyone's homework assignment. If you haven't done it, do it. And if you did it, then text it to at least five people to also do it. So the number is 833-648-0391. And you're going to text free Palestine with no spaces. And four action items should pop up. The first is our toolkit, which I you know, ask that you go through it. It gives you a lot of different resources, a lot of things that you can do, including pages that you can donate to, um, organizations that you can support, social media accounts that you can follow. The second is AMP's um, call to action, which if anyone has this flyer, one of the call to action is also on that code. The third is USCPR's um, ceasefire now petition that we're also recommending everyone to fill out. And the fourth is the care petition that um, Ibrahim mentioned early on, which is uh, to just end the occupation, 
So please, like this is, if everyone's asking what I can do, this. Take step today, one. step one. Start with this. Today, um, if tonight, while you're perusing on social media, start with this, and like I said, continue to spread it. Um, so Wasim started off talking a lot about um, the ideology and the, what's kind of grounding all of us in this moment. Uh, I want to take a little bit of a historical, I guess, historical lens or historical angle to discuss some of these things, because a lot of people are asking, again, like this idea that October 7th, where did it come from, right? And the idea is it wasn't provoked, which they're all claiming, the idea that they're claiming is that it was unprovoked. And our response is, have you not read a history book? Do you not know what's happening in the world? Um, so I think what's really important is to kind of ground us in history. I'm gonna do a very quick overview of history. There are a lot of people, a lot of resources. Part of the toolkit actually lists I think like 10 pages of resources that you can look into, books, articles, movies, documentaries, um, even podcasts that you can listen to that will go in more depth of our history, of the struggle, um, you know, with historians like Rashid Khalidi, um, who really go into depth about these things. Uh, so I'm not in any way gonna give an inclusive history, but I'm just gonna give bits and pieces. Um, Inshallah. So for the first thing, a lot of, you know, a lot of our grounding of modern day Palestinian history comes from the world, World War I, right? And what happened in World War I? One of the things that happened was the Balfour Declaration, which basically the Brit British had, a man had um, occupied or colonized Palestine, and they were noticing that there was this Zionism movement, as Wasim said, that was slowly growing, and they were looking for a homeland. A big misconception of Zionism is a lot of people think, oh, Zionism was here, and their main goal was actually to occupy Palestine. At first, it wasn't, right? So when they had their first convention, they spent time thinking, or one of their first conventions, they spent time thinking and asking, like, where is the best place? They thought of somewhere in Africa, they saw somewhere in South America, but then in the end, they kind of came to this agreement that Palestine has historically been a religious holy place for all three religions, um, and so let's use our religious claim to the land. And so in 1917, the British, through their mandate and through the Balfour Declaration, ended up basically gifting Palestine to this growing Zionism movement. Um, and in the Balfour Declaration, there's a lot of people that look into it, the specific wording and what it was meant to be. But the British themselves didn't imagine the extent to where this would go, right? They didn't think that, you know, what we see today is basically going to happen. Because even in the Balfour Declaration, one of the things is do not hurt like the non-Jewish major uh, non majority, right? Then fast forward a little bit, the, Jewish, the, the British mandate happened and they took over um, historic, they started to take over pal historic Palestine. The Zionists and the Jewish population grow, grew in Palestine, but the movement still actually didn't get a lot of um, traction. Like people were not still like, yes, gong-ho Zionists like we see today. What happened was we're going to the anti-Semitic sentiments continued to rise throughout Europe, where people were continuing to be anti-Semitic, and the Jewish people began to increasingly need this, or increasingly have this desire for this homeland. So slowly, the Zionism movement began to grow. And Rashid Khalidi does a wonderful job of going into more detail about this, so I highly recommend that you check out his book. Then what happens, the Holocaust happens, which obviously was a tragedy, and that gave a lot of, first, the world remorse like we're seeing today, a lot of silence where people were not talking up for genocides and for people dying and being, people being unjustly killed. The second was that now the Zionist movement was growing and there was a lot more 
uh, people now wanting to immigrate um, to Israel, right, to what we know as Israel, or what the world calls Israel. So then 1948 ca happened, which was after World War II, where the UN partition plan officially recognized it. Harry Truman was the president at the time, and the, the, you know, the Zionist movement went to him and basically said, we are, want this state. And again, out of a place of remorse, out of a place of, you know, like we weren't there for the Jewish people, we're going to support this ideology. And it continued, right? And it continued to grow. And there were many Jewish refugees. And so it was you know, kind of easiest in many ways to just send them to Israel where they were having this Jewish state that they were growing. The, Palest the Palestinians, along with the Arab nations, fought back after 1948, saying, no, this is our land, we want to fight back. Unfortunately, that didn't end well, um, and the partition plan was adopted. And then fast forward a few years to 1967. Um, and again, I'm giving a very quick history, but 1967, we had the Six-Day War, right? where it was led by the Egyptian army where they came, and they were like, we're going to take back Palestine in six days. And this is something worth thinking about, because I actually challenge a lot of people when they come to me today. In six days, Israel defeated the Arab, Arab armies. And what happened was the West Bank and Gaza and whatever was left that was not part of Israel was now um, occupied and was occupied by uh, Zionist Israeli military occupation. So this kind of ties into the modern-day context because a lot of the arguments that you're hearing, especially on social media or if you're talking to anybody, um, they say, well, the, you know, the first intifada happened, then the second intifada happened. Um, and one of the things, because a lot of people come and say, oh, well, Hamas is, you know, well, in 1988 is when Hamas was founded, right? So we're bringing that into the picture. It, it was in 1988, which is a good part into the Palestinian history. And that's, you know, one of the points of the argument. The second thing is we're looking at this. After the second intifada, um, the partition wall, which we call the apartheid wall, was built. It began to be built. One of the things that happened was in 2005, um, as an attempt of peace, basically Israel pulled out of Gaza. Because I hear this a lot on social media, and I personally, you know, this is something that's important, so I just wanted to bring this out. That Israel pulled out of Gaza, but what did they do? They weren't, like, they didn't just pull out and it was the end of it, right? They created an entire blockade around Gaza. Air, sea, water, land, everything. There was no coming in and out of Gaza without the permission of Israel. So a lot of people will say, oh, well, we gave, you know, Gaza their freedom in 2005. False, right? They took out the military occupation, which remained in, in the West Bank. That still happens and is very much, very relevant today. Um, and that's also something right now in the media, for example, that's not being covered. I think right now, someone correct me if I'm wrong, I think over 100 people have been killed in the West Bank by the military Israeli occupation. So the West Bank is dealing with their own, you know, also military occupation that's happening aside from the events that are happening in Gaza right now. But that's something that's, again, something we're thinking about, that they pulled out the forces, but then what did they do? They pulled out the active military occupation. And what does that mean, right? Anyone who's been to Palestine will know what an active military occupation has been. Alhamdulillah, I've been blessed to go very often. Um, and just to give you some ideas, uh, there are several checkpoints from village to village. You need to go through a military checkpoint. Sometimes the Zionist media likes to say it's like a cute airport checkpoint. It's not a cute airport checkpoint. It's a very, um, you know, you have sniper guns. There are people that are fully dressed in military that are stopping your moment, your travel at any moment, stopping your restriction. In addition, they also can like literally close down the road at any time, and then you have to figure things out. They can close down villages, they can close down roads, they can block a lot of things. 
In addition, all Palestinians in these, these occupied territories are ruled under military law, right? So what does that mean? Anyone can commit the smallest of crimes and has to be judged in a under a military law. In addition, um, in Palestine, there are several different kinds of identification cards um, which Israel had, has invented, and that restricts movement of the Palestinians. So if anyone has a green Hawiya, they're not allowed to go to places where people with the Quds Hawiya can go, and people in the Quds Hawiya actually don't have a passport. There's a lot of complexity to it, and if anyone wants to ask any questions about that, um, you know, I'm sure we're happy to answer and address any of those questions. But there's a lot of other things that also make an apartheid. Israelis have a license plate, Palestinians have a license plate. Israelis can do certain things, Palestinians can't do certain things. And there's a lot of different complexities to it. Um, so this, again, is back into things in history, things in the world don't happen without a vacuum, right? And my closing remark is that the week before the October 7th um, escalation of violence, settlers were going crazy in the West Bank, right? And in the Quds and in Jerusalem, they were attacking Palestinians left and right. Um, someone's farm, someone we know, someone from our community, their entire farm was burned to the ground. Turmasaya, um, which I know a lot of people from this community are part of, regularly have land taken away from them, people shot. There's a lot of different things that are happening constantly with settlers, who are all armed, by the way. All of them are armed. Palestinians are not allowed to have any weapons of any kind, um, and any weapons that exist are under the black market. While, as I'm sure we've all seen on social media, literally settlers get them from just like they give them like candy, basically. So everyone has, um, they're all, a, lot of, a lot of them are armed, if not everybody is armed. Um, so this is just a little bit of a history context. Like I said, I do encourage you all to really read. This is very, very, very important. Um, in many ways, I think this is how we can honor the lives of the shohada, is to really take it upon ourselves and say that we need to educate ourselves. And alhamdulillah, 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 from when I was a kid to now, there's so many resources out there whether it be, like I said, podcasts, um, videos on YouTube, books, audiobooks, there's so many resources out there in both Arabic and English that really go into the depth of the history and understanding the struggle and what our role is in that today. So, sorry. Yes. Thank you, Amal. Oh. Great question. Yes. Yeah, I think the, the first thing I'm going to start, and I'm going to give, um, give it back to Wasim, is that um, in the, this is something that a lot of people don't know, and this is why I actually encourage everybody to go to Palestine. Everybody, I think this is, again, like obligatory on everybody to go. If you're able to go, go, because seeing it's on the ground, I can sit from now till tomorrow telling you, and you won't like, fully comprehend what's happening until you see it for yourself. Um, and I also want to challenge you, like I know a lot of people when they go, they go mainly in the Quds, which is very, very important, but also visit the other places of Palestine, Al-Khalil, um, you know, all the other surrounding areas, Nablus, Jenin, so you can see the true occupation, even within the Dakhla, so within 1948 as well. So quickly, what a settler is, basically, back to this, and I wish I had a map to show you all, in 1948, Right, the UN said, okay, this is the partition plan, these are the different areas. 1967, we've established these different areas. 
Now, the world thinks that Israel is like, oh, okay, we're going to live here. The Palestinians are going to live there. We're great. That's not what's happening. Every single day, Israel's goal is to take over all of Palestine. And that's where the settlers come in. They send um, Israeli settlers into these areas in the West Bank, and they basically build villages, towns, shopping complexes in the middle of the West Bank. Okay, I'll give you an example. On my family, my dad's family is from Muhmas, um, and Muhmas is surrounded by three different settlements. Okay, settlements are like a group of um, basically like a little town. So it's like a little town, but it's Jewish only. So only Jewish Israeli citizens can go in. Um, and right next to Muhmas, there's like this shopping complex. I remember growing up, whenever we'd go to Palestine, I would see one store, two stores, three stores, then I'd come back the following year, suddenly the two, three stores are like five or six stores, then I come back the following year, now it's like ten stores, then I come back the following year, suddenly it's like a miles-long complex. And then this year I learned that, because at one point Palestinians could go in here, Palestinians are not allowed to go in there, period, unless they have Israeli permission to go in there. Okay, so really let's, I'm not talking about, again, what they call modern-day Israel. I'm talking about the West Bank. And if anyone knows Muhammad, it's a very small village, right? That, that, th that's what's happening, right? So right next to it, they have an entire complex. And this is just one example, but they have many other complexes. In addition, what's happening with these settlements and what's a modern-day project that's happening with Israel is they're building an infrastructure So just to end is that it wants, um, so what is happening is Israel is building infrastructure and roads um, throughout the West Bank to basically connect these settlements. So connect these settlements so that when they do take over the West Bank, it just gets completely annexed into Israel. And this is happening now, right? So we think when we hear of the deal of the century or when we hear these different politicians speaking, we think, oh, no, this is a far-off thing. No, 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 this is happening now. My mom's family is from the Ram. And this summer when we went, they're actively building a highway right in front of the Ram. And I was asking my family, I'm like, what is happening here? They're like, oh, this is going to become a settler highway so that they can go into the Quds easily. And none of the Palestinians are allowed to go on it. And then when you look into the Israeli officials, when they're mentioning it or commenting on it, what do they say? It's okay if we make the Palestinians' lives a little harder. The goal is the Israelis, our, our goal is to protect the Israeli lives. And that's what's happening. They're literally, in, in just some more context, where my mom's family's from, my mom could t walk to school, right? She could walk to school. She went to school in Al-Quds. She went to university in Al-Quds. She used to be able to walk there. Now, in order to go there, she needs to, because the apartheid wall exists, she needs to go around the apartheid wall through a checkpoint, a military checkpoint that is a huge infrastructure now, and then past that, then you go through and you basically pass right through the village again, but on the other side to get there. So there's so many different inconveniences that happen that they're making in addition to psychological warfare, which is a whole other thing. There's a lot of subjugation of the Palestinian people that's happening. So again, all of this is to say when someone tells you that October 7th was unprovoked, hopefully now you have an answer. It's okay. Thank you, Rania. Um, I, I just want to tackle that question also. So the question is, what is a settler? The entirety of historic Palestine is settled, is a settlement. Um, Sister Rodri was telling us in terms of the context of today's conversation in broader society, 
settlements are defined as the newly established communities in the West Bank where the Zionist state is constantly land grabbing. But for our purpose of this conversation and for our community growth collectively, it is, needs to be clear that the entire state that has usurped historic Palestine, that has eaten up historic Palestine, is one big settlement. They, settlers are people who come from a foreign place and settle on land and take land, take resources at the expense of indigenous people. And I, I just want to say, this is something that's been very important to me in this moment, to our community here. I don't want us to forget, in the future, we are all settlers. I am a settler. This land was inhabited by indigenous people, native people, who were killed, who were removed, who were oppressed. For all of us to live on this land today, we live on the land of the Lene Lenape people. Okay? And so we all have our reasons for being here, whatever that may be, but we have to be aware of our place here and our responsibility, because being a settler comes with a lot of responsibility. Yeah, yeah, just real quick. for that uh, introduction, definitely very, very heavy. Um, before I hop in, just want to remind you, today is set up as an ask me anything. Um, I don't see a lot of questions, um, and I, I know there are a lot of questions. There are a lot of curiosities. There's a lot for us to learn. So if you have a question, please go ahead and ask it. If you, if you see a question you like, please thumbs up so that we can continue this conversation. Um, but I just want to echo what Ani was saying, what Wasim was saying. Um, it's very difficult to visualize and really understand the extent of what we're talking about without seeing it yourself. And so I will ask for everyone who hasn't gone to definitely try and go. And it's not as scary as everyone makes it out to seem. It's not as difficult as everyone tries to make it to seem. That's all propaganda. You hear a lot of people talking about being scared of going and going alone. It's very easy. Um, I, but it's very important to go. And when I went just this past year, uh, being much older than I was uh, in the previous years, it was a complete shock to my system. Uh, I had rented my own car, I was driving, so I saw both sides. And me personally, being an American with all my rights, actually being scared 
un uncertain of what might happen to me at a checkpoint. Um, being told to come out of my car to check a trunk of this small little Honda that had nothing in it, um, and being near ambushed by six guys who couldn't read my visa correctly, saying that it was expired. These are things that happen to me as an American citizen, with all our freedoms and all our, you know, we're very prideful of this country and everything. You go there, it's a complete shock. Um, what's even more of a shock is in their public transportation, you have kids who are just around with Uzis and M16s and guns commuting to work, like it's nothing. Um, it, it's, it's a complete shock, and, and you really need to see it to understand it. Um, but the closest we can get for now is absorbing, learning, asking, um, reaching out to people over there, reading the articles, and, and all of that. So yeah, I'll stop there. I'm not here. I'm not a panelist. Um, so ask your questions, and, and let's, let's absorb the knowledge that both of these beautiful people have. Um, I did want to give a shameless plug before we go on. So like Ibrahim said, um, in the event that you don't want to go alone, sorry, I really don't like headsets, um, is uh, PAC does a homeland project. Um, last year, we actually opened up to the general public where we have a few trips in Palestine that everyone can sign up for. Um, so you don't have to do the whole trip with us. You can just choose a couple of days. But this is also a way, like when we have these trips, we really do do it where we get like professional tour guides, you're walking and you're seeing a lot of these different things, you're with a group. Um, so I definitely recommend you go, whichever way makes your heart feel good and whichever way you feel like you want to go. Um, and unfortunately, just because everyone does ask this too, um, right now we don't have a way to, to get into Gaza. Um, inshallah, you know, in Nasr Karib, um, victory is near inshallah and we will be able to get there. But this trip does mainly focus on the West Bank in 1948, which is um, uh, modern day Israel. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention in terms of the occupation, just quickly, because I think what's important to know is not only that it, there's an occupation in terms of travel restrictions, um, in, in addition, like, there's something called administrative detention. Um, for those who don't know what administrative detention means, it basically means that an Israeli could come up to anyone and jail them for up to three to six months with no reason whatsoever. And they call it administrative detention. What does that mean is, I think I may have something on you, but I can't disclose it to you because if I disclose it to you, it's going to ruin my case. And people, it can get renewed every six months, and people have been in jail for years because of this, including children. Because that's something that people don't realize. A lot of times, something I've been hearing today um, is, well, Israel doesn't hurt children. They do. They've hurt children. They've killed children. They've arrested children. They've imprisoned children. Um, in addition to the several humiliations that children have to do, and right now we see in Gaza, right? 50% of the people who live in Gaza are under 18 years old. What does that mean, right? Back to, the Gaza, back to Gaza. It means that life expectancy there is not high. People don't live long there. Why? Because the UN said that Gaza by 2020 would be unlivable. By 2020, it would be unlivable. And we're back, in, we're in 2023 believe, right now. I believe that came out in like 2024, that statistic. And then we had like three more bombardments on Gaza since yeah. then, and now we're beyond that. So it's... It's, it's really, yani, the situation there is very dire. The last thing I want to also mention about the, um, the West Bank is that basically Israel took all uh, of the resources. So the water, um, the electricity, everything. Israel took the resources and brings it back in specific quantities. So one way, a fun fact that I always say, or not fun fact, but something to know whenever we go into Israel, you can tell a settlement versus a city or, uh, of the West Bank by one thing. Does anyone know what that one thing is? You can tell it just by eyesight. What is it? 
The water, the water buckets, the water barrels. Palestinian homes have to have water barrels because Israel controls all the water. So they have the water barrels so that they can have water consistently. And that's in Gaza right now. Like a lot of people are like, oh, they took out the water. How do they still have water? It was because they have these water barrels. They were able to live for a little bit longer with the water because they have these water barrels and they're used to Israel taking away the water. So that's one of the things. Um, one example, uh, just to give you a, a small story. And then again, like Ibrahim said, this is a time to ask questions. Um, and a, a quick thing about that. I, I was born and raised Palestinian. Since I was in my mom's womb, I was, my parents read to me Palestinian history books. And the only way that I continued to learn about Palestine was I continued to ask questions. I, conti- I never settled for, I don't know, or I'm too shy to ask. I always ask questions. And until today, I still always ask questions. So this is your time to ask questions. I'm going to end with a story, and then we'll open up to more questions. Um, it's just... I remember when we went last year to Palestine, we went to Ariha, um, uh, which is Jericho, and we were walking and there was one spring left, um, one spring left that was kind of left to the Palestinians, a water free-flowing spring that was left for the Palestinians. And as we were going with our tour guide and he was telling us all these things, we saw maybe over a hundred Israeli settlers swimming in this river, in in this spring. And they were protected by the Israeli military, and they had their Israeli flags and everything. Again, we're in Ariha, which is West Bank, which is, in the West, which is in the West Bank. And I remember telling the tour guide, why? And he said, all these people, all these settlers you see, their settlements have endless supplies of water. Each of them probably has a pool. But they come here because their goal is to take over all of the West Bank. It's like more of a mental thing. Look, look, we also control this. And that's what they do. If you've read, if anyone's read the book... Um, they called me a lioness by Ahad Tamimi. She talks about that same concept, that they had a spring of water that they wanted to go to. They used to go to all with the time. The settlers kept coming there until Palestinians felt unsafe going there, and then they just took it, right? So there's a lot of this that's happening. And again, the topic and the focus right now is not the West Bank, but I think it's important to talk about the West Bank so people know that these atrocities that Israel is committing because of Hamas, right, the attacks on October 7th, is not because of that. It's because that is who Israel is, because of what Awasim said in the beginning, they are ruled by the Zionist ideology. And they will not rest until they have all of Palestine. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, I'll start getting into some questions. Alhamdulillah, we're seeing a lot more questions. There was a question from the beginning about these forms. Do I need to be a citizen or can anyone put it in the form? As long as you have an email, an address, and a phone number, you can fill out any of these forms. We also put it on the Friday forum group chat. Um, And for anyone who knows someone who's not on the chat, just forward it over to them. If you've already done it, please forward it over to someone. Um, With with that, what has PAC, AMP, CARE, what have they done in these past few weeks? And what can we do to continue, uh, continue supporting Palestine? I know it's a big question. It's two parts. So maybe we'll start with what have we been doing in the past three weeks? Maybe a lot of people aren't sure what's been going on. And then what can we do and continue to do? Bismillah. So what have we been doing? Um, We found ourselves in a very unique position this time around following October 7th. The issue was not only 
um, was the Zionist state bombarding Gaza, another terror campaign on Gaza, but also they were trying to turn the tables on us here locally, right? They were trying to shame us to stay inside and not to speak for Palestine, not to speak for Gaza. So one of the biggest challenges in navigating American advocacy for Palestine, I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear on two things. We have a very specific role as Americans here in the United States. The United States is the largest enabler of Zionist crimes. Collectively, as a community, we are in a position of, of great privilege where we can put pressure from within here to turn off the faucets that this country flows to the Zionist state. Money, weaponry, diplomatic coverage, that is all provided in large part by the United States. We exist here as citizens for the most part, as part of this society. So the question is, what can we do? What we can do is put pressure. What we can do is be relentless when it comes to putting pressure on lawmakers in the United States. Do I think that advocate, advocating for Palestinian liberation in the halls of Congress, do I think that's going to liberate Palestine? My answer is no. It's not going to liberate Palestine. But what it can do is provide relief, relief to the people of Palestine when we collectively get ourselves in order, get organized, and put pressure where pressure needs to be put. Congressman Bill Pascrell, Congressman Josh Gottheimer, Senator Cory Booker, Governor Phil Murphy, Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill, Congressman Mish'arif Shu, pick whatever you want. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Our voice. What we've been doing is, you know, with care and with PAC, is we need our narrative to be out there. One of the reasons why the Zionist movement has been so popular and so successful in the United States is because they've made their language, they've made their narrative the mainstream narrative and mainstream language. Those days are over where they're going to dominate the conversation. At AMP, we've been focusing on ensuring that our narrative is out in the media, that our stories are heard, that when media covers Palestine, they give due attention to the narrative of the Palestinian people, of the, the narrative of the people of Gaza. What we can do collectively is grow in terms of education and grow in terms of maturity as a community, a unified community who walks in lockstep, who communicates, who understands what our long-term, what our short-term goals are and how to get there. What we need to be doing
constantly is figuring out a way to put pressure on lawmakers in this country. We need to be out in the streets making noise and saying that whatever is happening is not normal. It's not humane. It's not okay. Because what they want to do is dehumanize us as Palestinians. And that goes way back. Rania mentioned the UN partition plan. When they came out with the UN partition plan in 1947, what were the labels used? Arab and Israeli. Because they wanted to get rid of the label of Palestinian. They wanted to get rid of the idea of a Palestine. Because you can't have an Israel if the, if the memory and the idea of a Palestine lives on. So what do we do? We reclaim that narrative. We have to stay educated and reclaim the narrative and make sure that the conversations that we are all a part of are rooted in reality, are rooted in the fact that Israel is a 75-year-old settler colonial country predicated based on the murder and removal of indigenous people. That for decades... They've slowly encroached on Palestinian land, stealing resources, eliminating villages and villagers, slaughter, slaughter, ethnic cleansing. That history is real. That history is well documented. We have the privilege of having the truth on our side, my brothers and sisters. We have facts on our side. The facts on the ground are indisputable. And when we familiarize ourselves with the narrative of our people and the facts on the ground, that puts us in a strong position to advocate, in a strong position to argue against the Zionist ideology that has oppressed our people for so long in Palestine and then other oppressive ideologies because all oppression, all systems of oppression are interconnected. They're all learning from one another. They're all benefiting one another. And we have to understand that and know who our allies are and who our partners are and who we're going to we're gonna work with for liberation in order for us to reach liberation, inshallah. Um, so, in, in, so in terms of what PAC's doing, um, and then I think Wasim did a really good job of like what's our role, um, which I'll add on to it, inshallah. Uh, but the, alhamdulillah, PAC, we've been very overwhelmed with a lot, but trying to make the best out of it. Um, so one of the first things that we've been doing, like Wasim said, um, we've fielded, I don't even know how many media requests, maybe over 70 media requests right now in terms of different um, news outlets and different um, interviews. Uh, we've done as, you know, local as New News 12 to as national as the New York Times, NPR, um, and, you know, the Washington Post and so on and so forth. Um, so, and one of the reporters actually told me, like, you have to realize the effect that you guys are having because, you know, it's obviously exhausting when you're in the middle of it. She said people in California are cover covering New Jersey, right? And it's, I think, because we're really trying to provide through all of our organizations this really outlet where we're connecting people to stories because that's the biggest thing they want. They want to hear stories. They want to hear the stories of people in Gaza. They want to hear the stories of how this is affecting us. Um, so that's the first thing we did. The other thing is that we also connected with a lot of people um, from Gaza who have family in Gaza. 
Or, and this is a very important thing that's not talked about, that I encourage all of you to really put pressure on your Congress people, the Palestinian Americans that are stuck in Gaza, right? There's over 500 Palestinian Americans that are stuck in Gaza. From New Jersey, there's, not, there's a smaller number. So there's 87 that are trying to actively get out. We are currently in contact with 12 families from New Jersey that have family members that are stuck in Gaza. Stuck in Gaza. What does that mean? Our country basically abandoned them. They're trying to get out, they keep going to the border, and they keep telling them to go back. They get directions to come out, and then they go back. Um, so something that we've been working with is advocating on their behalf. We've been talking with the governor and senator's office, bringing up their names every single day, um, and trying to really help get these, um, get, the, get these families out and reunited, inshallah. So that's some of the stuff that we've also been doing. In addition, there are some nuanced cases. You know, um, a mom who's here with her kids, her husband's stuck in Gaza, not an American citizen. What do we do? Uh, a mom who's a U.S. citizen, her kids are stuck in Gaza, what do we do? So there's been a lot of one-to-one -one relief work that we've been helping with, connecting them to the right people, getting a lawyer for this person, advocating for them on the center's behalf, getting media attention. There's a lot of that that's also happening. Um, in addition, we've been doing the social media, which is the toolkit that you all saw. Um, I think, again, it's a really, really valuable resource. We kind of tried to take everything from all the different organizations, all the other different campaigns that are happening locally and nationally and put them in one place, and it's being constantly updated. Um, in addition, we have had, held two press conferences. One was open with the community and one was privately, um, where we were highlighting a lot of um, you know, what's happening in Gaza, families that are, again, trying to get their family members back, and also the targeting that's happening with our community. So that's something that we've been working really closely with CARE with. We get a lot of calls, I want to say almost daily, about people who have either been threatened to be you know, um, fired from their jobs or threatened to be on probation from school or whatever it may be. So we've been really trying to work with those individuals to connect them with CARE and get the advocacy that they need. In addition, we're very much here for the community. So whether that be they feel like they're not being represented by somebody or whatever it is, having those difficult conversations on community members' behalf to make sure that our people and our needs and our community is represented and is heard. Um, in addition to that, we've done, uh, we've also launched our Nekba documentary, which I highly recommend everyone check out. It's on our YouTube page. It's about 30 minutes. Again, this goes into like the idea of what is like what what is happening, where did this come from? Watch this documentary, you will hear from people in our community that have either lived through the Nakba or been descendants of the Nakba, and they'll share with you um, exactly what's happening. Um, we've also been working on a lot of local officials, whether that be on the local level or state level, of again, trying to get the Palestinian story out. I know a lot of us, a lot of us feel abandoned by our politicians um, and our officials, and very rightly so. Um, so this is actually one quick uh, message is uh, open voting starts, um, the leak vo uh, what is it called? The, oh, the polls early open. Voting. Yes, early voting. Early, early, vo voting. early voting starts tomorrow. Um, and we are actually launching a campaign. We're just going through legal to make sure it's all good. But Show we want good. everybody to go out to vote and to somehow indicate free Palestine on your vote. Yeah. Because this is how we, we can, can show in. that we count. Right? So this is our campaign that we're working on now, and we're going to be working with all the groups, inshallah. We want each of you to go out. They don't see us. Right? So let's force them to see us. They don't, they haven't been. They don't care. They're not doing the right That's statements. Great. Let's force them to see us. Let's force them to listen to us by going out to the polls and indicating free Palestine or ceasefire now. So that's another thing we're working on. Other than that, we had protests. So we had one last Sunday. 
There is one also this Sunday in Newark that I highly recommend everyone to go. It's a solidarity rally with different organizations that are not Palestinian, that are standing in solidarity with the Palestinians. We highly recommend you all come. We're also going to be stopping by Senator Booker's office. Um, next Saturday, November 4th, there is a national rally to Washington, D.C. As of now, PAC's providing two buses. Um, you can go onto our website already. I think one bus is full. And we launched it yesterday. So please make sure if you're interested in going to make sure to do that. We've also done a community healing event. Um, and inshallah, the goal is to continue opening these spaces. Because like how we opened up in the beginning, I think we're all feeling very sad and very tired. Um, and I know a lot of us have the tendency of just wanting to stay home and like not wanting to do anything. But right now, we need community more than anything. So we had our community healing space. Inshallah, next week, we're going to be launching a support group. We also have different Ask Me Anything events that we're doing at PAC, and we've been doing it at different masajid and schools. So we've already gone to Rising Star Academy, and we've gone to Noble. Thank you to both those schools for opening other spaces. But if anyone knows of any schools that would want more of these, we can also provide that, inshallah. Um, there's a couple of other things, though. I don't want to get into it. We've also, there's uh, the NFL response that we're trying to put pressure on the NFL as well to stop the moment of silence. So please make sure to also check that out. Um, and we've been working on phone banking sessions. Today we had a poster making session. Just different things of the community. There's a lot happening. Honestly, I can't, if, I think if I go through everything that we've been doing, we're going to be here all night. But the idea is, and I think this is where I want to end it, like my part with right now, what can you do? I remember this past summer when I was in Palestine, we did a tour actually through 1948. And it was, for me, one of the most heartbreaking experiences in Palestine that I've had. Because I was walking through 1948, driving through... And what's happening in the West Bank is still happening in 1948. We think that, you know, that's not happening, but there's the same thing. There are cities that are Palestinian cities that are being completely ignored, that are still staying there. And I remember asking them, when will we see liberation? When will we see freedom? And they, one of the people there told me, we will see freedom when every day everyone starts asking themselves, what can we do for Palestine? Right? So that's why, as you see, with all the different organizations, everyone's trying to leave no rock unturned, no rock left as it is. Because each of us have to ask, what can we do for Palestine? And there's nothing that's small or little that we think, oh, that won't matter. Everything matters, right? And I know I didn't say that com completely right. But the idea is that you will not change unless you change yourself, right? So even working on yourself and working on making yourself a stronger, better leader, finding, educating yourself, working in community. That in itself is how you can serve Palestine, right? And that's how you can serve your larger Muslim ummah, and that's how you can serve social justice. But continue doing that, and continue finding ways to give back to your community, continue finding ways to serve your community, because guess what? The only way we're going to see a fear Palestine is when our community is so strong that no one can say anything otherwise. And that's our goal. And that's not on me, that's not on Wasim, that's not on Ibrahim. It's on all of you. When every single one of us wakes up every morning and says, what can I do? That is when we'll see a better community. And that's when we'll see something change. And I know, alhamdulillah, I think, like in many ways, this is so tragic, but I always try to see the silver lining. I'm like, maybe this is why this is happening. So all of us can wake up, so our hearts can wake up and think, what can we do? Because we need to. We, we can't keep going on how we've been going, Right? So this is to tie into back into what can we do? Ask yourself, whatever capacity you can do, whatever capacity you can serve, do it. Whatever it is, just do it. And then slowly we'll start building and organizing, inshallah. I just want to touch really quick, very briefly, 
Um, uh, sorry, one last thing. One other sorry. thing which is really important is that we're doing um, a call. We're trying to pressure Congress to vote for the ceasefire. So if anyone knows any local, um, uh, local or state level or county level elected or appointed officials that are willing to sign on to this letter, please let me know. I'll send you the open letter so that you can sign on to it. And this is very important because this is how we could, you know, show our local power by putting pressure on these Congress people. Sorry, that was the last thing. Um, so Rania was mentioning, it's really cool that PAC is working on this project in terms of going out to the polls, in, in terms of like a protest vote. I just want to take a second and I just want to briefly just communicate a little bit about that. So the idea is we're in a tough position as a community, right? Our options have all let us down. Our options have all let us down. Every organization represented up here is a 501c3 organization. We don't choose sides in elections. But as a community, the truth of the matter is everybody has let us down. So what do you do? I'll tell you this. The answer isn't stay home and do nothing. Okay, the idea is a protest vote. So we go out to the polls. You put in one vote, unless it's in Clifton. You put in one vote in the write-in, and you write in free Palestine or ceasefire now, so that it shows our community went out to the polls but we decided to collectively do a protest vote that gives our community power, that puts us on the map electorally, but also we don't compromise our values by voting for people who are, let, who are letting us down. The idea of a call of a ceasefire, I want to be very clear. A ceasefire is not the end-all, be-all. A ceasefire is not the goal. Ceasefire is a temporary relief to stop bombs from dropping from the skies. But when a ceasefire comes and Palestine exits the, the media cycle, Gaza still lives in ruins and rubble. Gaza will still live without resources and without infrastructure because of the Zionist state. So this passion that you have in your heart and in your chest burning right now, it needs to keep burning. You can't let that go out. This is only the beginning. Every day, like Rane said, wake up and ask yourself, what can I do for Palestine? One question that was in the, the Slido was, um, where can we donate? Um, I've donated so far to Islamic Relief. The reality of the matter is, and when we're talking about this, are we, we're not talking about local domestic organizations, because we have our organizations who are doing work. And obviously, we need the support. But I take that question to mean, where can we donate to help our brothers and sisters in Gaza directly? We know Islamic Relief is a good organization. UNRWA is a good route to go. Right now, the borders are closed. The Zionist state brutally is not allowing any help in, international help. Obviously, for intentional reasons. But those are two organizations that you can choose to, to donate to that when there is opportunity for them to go in and provide relief, they will, inshallah. 
I just want to comment on this quickly. So we've been in touch with some organizations on the ground. The ones that are on the ground now, UNRWA, who actually lost, I think, like 30 different workers. They were killed. They were murdered. Yeah. They were killed. Um, so, but they workers. have about like 3,000 workers on the ground. Um, they, ha they also have ANRO, um, which I haven't heard about it, but UNRWA and ANRO work very closely together. They're also actively on the ground. United Palestine Appeal is also an organization that's working on the ground. Um, there is a fourth one that I'm forgetting that I will pull up quickly. But these people are basically, they're working actively on the ground. Um, Islamic Relief is also a good organization to help, but we're, currently their staff is not on the ground. So not, yeah, not right now. Yeah, right. not right now. So that's something that's worth noting. But Thank they you. are a very good organization to support. And regardless, I think what's important to know is that um, what's happening with a lot of these people too is the donation, because a lot of people ask, why should I donate? What's happening? There's two ways that these donations are working. One of it is that the money is being bought, like with things in Gaza, people are buying them and giving them um, to others. The other thing is that these aid trucks that are waiting to get in, we want to make sure that they're full, right? So by donating to organizations like Islamic Relief, UNRWA, ANRA, even if it's not directly getting to them right now, once the borders open, we want to make sure that everybody can get the relief that they need. And that's why it's very important to get that. Beit al-Mal is also someone that's actively, that's the fourth one. Yeah, Beit al-Mal, that's also actively on the ground right now. Um, and there's many different ways. Again, if you look at the toolkit, we actually provide specific links where you can donate. Um, so we highly recommend that you do that. But I, I also want to tell you, because a lot of people, especially the media, ask, are you doing drives? Are you doing this? Number one, again, there's been a full siege, right, where no one's allowed to go in until those very, very few trucks went in. To give you some context as to how few it is, the 20 trucks that went in on a normal day, I think the number they said, how much? 400. 400 on a normal day have to go in. So imagine 20 in, in their desperate situation that they're in now, how that's been okay. And I know I think they let in another 30. But again, that's not for us to think, oh, wow, that's, that's nothing. That really is nothing. And also, we don't, the, we don't, we don't like, uh, commend them sending in aid. Yes. Palestinians are entitled to food. Yes. Palestinians are entitled to resources. So we don't thank anybody for sending aid into Gaza. That's unequivocal and undisputed, and we're unapologetic that they're entitled to that. So we don't say thank you to anybody. The other thing I also wanted to say is when you're talking to people on the ground in Gaza, and I ask, like, should we give donations? Their number one thing is make dua, and please tell everyone in the world our story. That is what they want, more than your money. So before you donate, think how can I continue to spread their stories and of course make dua for them because that is what they need. That's what they need more than anything because the aid will come. The aid will come one way or another. They're, they know it will come. But what they need is to make sure that their stories are being told. So when you're asked this, because I'm asked this regularly by the media, is why aren't you guys doing drives and stuff? I say because the Gaza people want us to tell their stories. And that's what each of us have to do. Uh, that, that was extremely, extremely enlightening. I know there are plenty of questions, and I'm really sorry, but the time escapes us. Um, and, and I'll take that one last question, but then, inshallah, we'll have to close just because we did, we did start a little bit late, and then, um, you know, uh, every, many people will hear you from Isha. I want to be mindful of that. So the sister had one question, and then, inshallah, we'll close. But they will still be here if you have any questions. Their organizations will always be here. There's plenty of resources. There's plenty of different people you can contact. Um, so with that, totally, sister.
Yeah. Everybody hear the question? The question is, we know where the Zionist state stands when it comes to the Palestinian cause. But what do we do when it's our own people, the Palestinian Authority, who are in the way of Palestinian liberation, who have murdered, um, uh, made uh, martyrs of, you said, four Palestinians today? Honestly, I, I didn't know that. Four Palestinians in Ramallah today who were in demonstrations and they were shot by the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority um, has deep security relations with the Zionist state. Um, the, the question was posed. It wasn't my intention. Honestly, there's a lot of questions. It, it's, it's, in the questions, it was phrased as fatah. I have to be honest and say that there is a degree of difference between old school fatah and what we know to be the PA today in some instances. And I wasn't intending to go into this specific topic. I'll just say that unequivocally, all security coordination needs to end. Okay? Palestinians, as a part of Palestinian liberation, need autonomy in terms of choosing their own leadership. The old guard from before are not welcome in Palestine by Palestinians. That's not my messaging. It's very clear and it's been made very clear that the people of Palestine reject the PA leadership because it is inefficient. It is dishonest and it is counterproductive. Collectively, we have to understand what type of damage an entity like the PA does to our liberation aspirations? It's a very detailed discussion. This stems from Oslo, the Oslo Accords in 1993, which was detrimental to the Palestinian cause. In many ways, one of the ways is the creation of the Palestinian Authority, which was supposed to be temporary, but is now not being, relent is, is not being um, given up, that seat of power. Um, you know, Khalto, I think many people agree with your sentiment that we're sick of the Palestinian Authority, that we reject the Palestinian Authority, and when you have the opportunity, you should make it clear that you reject the Palestinian Authority. So I want to comment on this. So I think something that's important, and mm -hmm. I think... I think the idea, and this is where, this is my personal philosophy that I've always been. And I remember this from a story from when we were kids. What is the easiest way to kill a people? It's to divide them. And I'm going to tell you, the division that's happening in Palestine is a thousand, million, gazillion percent an Israeli tactic. This doesn't take away from the corruption that's happening. It doesn't take away from all of that. But I think our overarching goal has to always be unity and the end of the occupation. Thank you for the reminder. 
right? We need to always remember that. It's very important that that's our thing. This doesn't take away from us. Again, we can criticize our people. We can say this, but I think what needs to be reminded, and I see this all the time, is that unity, no matter what our differences are, we have to stand united. We have to stand united because one of the tactics of Israel is to divide us. And they have, right? They divided us physically. We have Gaza and we have the West Bank. That was not a mistake. That wasn't a coincidence. That was 100% intentional because they thought if we divide the people, well, you know what? We can take over Gaza one day, which they're actively trying to do right now, and soon we'll be the West Bank. But if when we stand in their eyes and we stand to them and say, you know what, you can try to divide us from here to the day of judgment and we will not let you divide us. We can have our differences, but we will not let you divide us. That's when we will see freedom. And then that's when hopefully we can create a new government, right, that will serve everybody in the just way, right, because that's what we all want and that's what needs to happen. But anything right now, honestly, I'm going to say this, anything right now that takes the focus away from Israel, which again, I do think we need to call out corruption. We do 100% need to all do that. But we need to remember our common, common thing right now, which is Israel is the enemy. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something right now. We've been doing these petitions. Inshallah, they work. Right now, I'll tell you, you want to, I'll give you a perfect example for this. And then I think we can, like if anyone else wants to say anything. Right now, people, when they come and ask me, the 2.2 million people in Gaza, I say United States, the UN, already gave $8 billion, continuously gives more money. Every year gives a minimum of $3.8 billion to, to Israel. Every year, Okay. Right now, they're coming to tell me, what can we do for the people of Gaza? I'm like, what can America do for their own American citizens? There are, like I said, 87 U.S. citizens that are struggling to get out. So right, there's no focus on that. There's no energy on that. There's no even conversation about that. So how can America even focus on everyone else when they're not even caring about their own citizens? They're not. If I were there, me, Irania, here, as a Palestinian-American citizen, if I were there... They wouldn't care. It's not happening. They're not letting it out. So I think right now, the question is a question of priorities. Because I'm getting people come in and ask me right now, my son, uh, my, my spouse doesn't have a green card, or my children don't have this. And I tell them, I'm sorry, we can't even get the Americans out. So right now, I'm telling you, we can't even get the world to recognize that Israel is what it is. So let's start there. Let's start there. We have that common, common enemy, no matter who you talk to right now, and not only us. Right now, the whole world is with us, not the general governments, but the people are waking up to that. So let's tackle that first, then we'll tackle everything else. I promise you there will come a day where we tackle everything else. But if we focus on the secondary, tertiary, whatever other things, we'll never get to that primary goal. And that's what Israel does. Right now, you talk to anyone, they're not talking about Netanyahu. They're not criticizing him, even though he has a whole list of things. What are they saying? Hamas is attacking us. And that is the only thing they're saying. So we need to focus. Israel is attacking us, period. We need to be united on that. And then again, like this is not taking away from the need to address everything else. Everything else needs to be addressed. Like they say, everything in its time is good. And that time will come. That time will come. But right now, right this second, 
The time is to end this Israeli occupation on the Palestinian people. Um, with that, we'll formally close, inshallah. If you have any more questions, you can go up and, and speak to them or uh, get their information, get their emails. for joining us, and inshallah, we'll see you again next week and we'll see you at all the other events. Uh, please do look at the Gaza action list and, uh, and, and keep telling the story. Assalamualaikum. If you could just scan uh, the, the QR code on the TV screen, that's the AMP link tree. We have our action links, signing up for our email, social media, and other action items. Thank you. Does this work? Okay, Khatta brought up a very good point and we have to say this. So what can I do? Aside from everything we did and in the, the, what is it called? In the toolkit itself is boycotting. We need to boycott. Boycott, divestment and sanctions. There's a list of companies we need to boycott and we ask that everybody does that. TheBidiestMovement.net has a list of companies that we need to boycott. This is how we can see, inshallah, free Palestine.